0: what's up what's going
1: on nashville
0: my name is jake smith
1: i'm ian moore
0: and this is hoops i did it again yeah covering all things basketball discussing things that are happening in the league and outside of the league and today this week we really have way too many topics to talk about
1: it's so true i feel like we just need to jump into it and get it started
0: yeah Why don't you lead us into our first point here?
1: All right, man. Obviously, we know there's a lot going on in the NBA, and I think one of the biggest story and headlines right now would be the injury to DeMarcus Cousins. So, How are you feeling about that, my man? You know, that one's
0: a really tough one because there was talk of DeMarcus Cousins leaving before the injury. True, true. And now after it, it it really does get confusing because really the stake of the New Orleans Pelicans depends on the signing because we're looking at Anthony Davis who really wants to win who's committed to that league, committed to that team. And we're really going to see, you know, if they continue to sign him with this injury and look towards next season, what's what are the prospects of him coming back and what's the team going to look like, you know?
1: This is true. So I guess my first question that I pose to you is do you continue to roll with the punches and sign DeMarcus Cousins to a max long-term contract or stay with Anthony Davis and try to see what you can give trade value-wise?
0: I have no idea, man. I Me personally... I loved watching the Pelicans play together with that little three team that they had, that little Anthony Davis, DeMarcus Cousins, Drew Holiday. I would love to see him stay. I would love to see what they can do. I just don't think it's going to happen.
1: As you know, as I always say, I think the formula that they're trying to figure out is if two bigs is that next level that has the opportunity of beating the Golden State Warriors. I mean, I haven't seen such a one-two punch combo with two bigs who can average 25 points and 10 rebounds since tim duncan and david robinson in 1999 the early 2000s so it's like do you take the opportunity to get rid of another transcendent player and try to find trade value with other probable and component players that have the ability to step up or do you just sign them to a long-term contract and see if these two can make it happen
0: i guess that's the real question because you look down the line at other teams in the league and uh, it seems like like you said that we're looking for two bigs that perhaps that's the future is we get two bigs and maybe we can take down this absolute armada that is in the West. That being said, um, we don't have any proof that we can take down the Warriors. This so true. do we true. commit to something that hasn't proven it can work? Or do we kind of risk it and kind of, you know, beat around the bush for a little bit longer and run the risk of Anthony Davis really getting pissed? Because we see now if a player gets pissed, the likelihood of him getting traded after that is, can be high.
1: I'm not going to lie to you. I would honestly say keep him. I would do it, roll with the punches, as you said, and see what you can make happen. Just the fact that, like I said, he's a transcendent player. Being another big, he can get you 25 points, 10-plus right. rebounds, and he's giving you five assists a game, which at that point, that's equivalent to Rajon Rondo, who's your starting point guard. You know, He's giving you seven assists a game, but for me, I feel like he poses a little bit of a different threat compared to what Anthony Davis does. He's a little bit more physical, definitely able to get you down in the low post. But what seven footer do you know is able to go and shoot threes at a consistent rate? I mean, it's not a clip that's honestly going to be a threat potentially, but to shoot in the high thirties, you really shouldn't give that up, man. It's one of those things that you just need to keep in your back
0: pocket. I mean, there's no question that I mean, they both made, they're both all stars, they're both in the top top ten, oh, you know, if not top definitely. five. They're both of them are so good, and I I personally loved Marcus Cousins. I think he's better than any of us know him to be. Because I think he's
1: better than Anthony Davis. I. I mean, the argument's
0: there. Like, I, and listen, I'm definitely not disagreeing because he is, he's better than any of us have ever seen. Because every time he really starts hitting his stride, he kind of has this blow up. He's, he's very emotional and very intense, which definitely. is another thing I Where's love. his about emotion him. on
1: his sleeves, definitely.
0: So we'll see, man. I, I, I'm with you. I, I couldn't agree more. I think they should keep him, I think they should ride it out and see what happens.
1: Now, would you add more shooting, or would you take the ability to get rid of a Drew Holiday and find another legitimate starting point
0: guard? Starting point guard. I, me, personally, I think with what they have, I, here's the reality for me, is you never know who's a good shooter until you make them shoot over and over and over again. That's what I think in the NBA. Because someone like Danny Green uh, on the Spurs, it's like, it, no one knew he could do what he does. You know? He's yeah, and, and one of
1: those 3 and D guys, definitely. And
0: he all of a sudden shows up, and you know, he keeps shooting until he starts hitting, until he gets confident. My thing is, is you need a third star, and Drew Holiday really isn't that for me. Rashon Rondo isn't that for me. So, bring somebody else in that would really make it a, an awesome trio.
1: Now, are you looking for a viable candidate that relates money-wise, or would you just flat out try to trade him for another complimentary piece that can fit that twin tower duo?
0: Oh man, I don't know. You know, it. The Pelicans are confusing because it, it's like everyone in the league right now we're we're kind of running out of stars because everyone's trying to join up. So, I. Anything that we can get that would make it a more powerful, maybe a shooting point guard, even adding someone in there okay. who's a like a Steph Curry. Obviously, we're never gonna get not someone gonna like find Steph that caliber, Curry. but yeah, but, I get what you're saying. But someone like Chris Paul, it's like you know, it's like if they could keep DeMarcus Cousins and get someone like Chris Paul to come fill in or someone new, even I don't know, but they need to do something to really build up their beyond the arc shooting.
1: I can agree with you. I mean, wholeheartedly, I don't think Drew Holiday is that complimentary piece to what they bring to the table. But at the same time, I feel as though you really can't get any better than what you have right now. Right. You know, he's one of those max contract guys making over $100 million a season or for the duration of his contract. So it's like, just take what you can, see if you can honestly, in my opinion, get rid of a Etwan Moore. You know, it's like, he's definitely complimentary. He's one of those guys that legitimately knows his role, but money and production does not equal the opportunity that he's presenting to that team That's at this right. current point in That's time. Right. So, I mean, we'll kind of see. Like I said, everybody right now is kind of trying to figure out that formula to be Golden State because obviously they're that top-tier team. Next would be the Houston Rockets, which is probably the next topic that we can cover seeing as how it just kind of transitioned to that. What do you think a legitimate threat to the Rockets, to the Warriors, would be? How do you feel about that right now?
0: Man, you know, coming from, you know me, being a long a, a, uh, longstanding Clippers fan, it's, it can be exhausting watching Chris Paul have success in the regular season and still sustaining, you know, injuries. It's like he hasn't been playing – he hasn't played that much this season. Um, he's played enough to know that the Rockets are serious. Mm. Um, but we also know this, that the Warriors, when they play super competitive games in the regular season, can often drop the ball, and it kind of means nothing. And so, you know, two weeks ago when we saw the Rockets and Warriors play – I wasn't sold on the Rockets being anywhere near enough to beat the Warriors.
1: Now, while watching that game, do you feel as though the Rockets' offensive prowess was enough to compete with Golden State? Or do you believe Golden State played down to the Rockets? Because obviously, Stephen Curry didn't have a great game. Klay Thompson really didn't do too much when he was starting. But I can honestly say Chris Paul took that game to another level. You know, 30 points, 8 rebounds, 11 assists came up clutch with a shot over Stephen Curry in the fourth quarter to legitimately put them up by six points. I'm not going to lie to you. I feel like the Warriors probably are a little bit better than the Rockets, but I believe the Rockets are probably that next up-and-coming team that could pose a serious threat to them in the postseason. I mean, James Harden and Chris Paul obviously both haven't done enough in the postseason to the point where we believe that they can overcome that (laughs) hurdle. Right. But at the same time, that legitimate one two punch is something that I believe a lot of other teams don't have, you know. They're able to both play at the same time, or you can offset their minutes to where one can be in the game and the other can come off the bench and still provide enough firepower to where there is no downside to that offensive side of their game.
0: Right. And so, you know, the Rockets are this example of a team that it's like they win offensively. Very good. It's much like so. it, and a and lot of honest, threes. A lot they, of threes. Yes. Yeah, so many threes, <laughs> record breaking amount of threes. Um, and, you know, honestly, they're not terrible on defense. Um, but what I will say is, if you look at the past, the teams that have been able to beat the Warriors in, the only team that's been able to beat them in the past four years in a seven-game series are the Cavaliers. And the games that they did win, they kept the Warriors to, like, below 100 points a game. Oh
1: yeah, If I'm not mistaken, I believe with LeBron James in the game, they were maybe only outscored by two points while playing the Warriors. But the only difference is... Once he sits down and those bench players come in, the Warriors' second unit is just that much better. I mean,
0: yeah. Andre Iguodala, Sean Livingston, it's like, it just never ends. Um, true. And that's where, so we're talking about the formula, that's where the Rockets got it right. They have this kind of never-ending thing where they're rotating Chris Paul and James Harden, which it's is smart. something that we've talked about where it's like, that's something the Warriors have, where it's like, you know, Steph sits down, Kevin Durant stays out. You know, Clay sits down. And Steph comes back out. It's like, you're just like, when do we ever get a break? And then you you sit all three of them down, and Andre Iguodala and Sean Livingston are coming off the bench. It's like, they're just so, so, so good. But I do feel the same way about the Houston Rockets. Um, Not to the same extent, not as deep, but having someone like Eric Gordon that can come out and just – drain man oh yeah
1: six man potential obviously but putting up numbers as if he was in the starting lineup it's yeah something you don't get very often man
0: and in fairness in that game he didn't play well at all so no,
1: neither did ryan anderson Now right. he provided enough rebounds to keep him in the game to get those extra threes but yeah by no means ryan anderson did not have a good game at all so and if i remember correctly trevor reza was still serving Sever- that two-game yep. suspension that's you right
0: know? so with that in mind not so a lot of people myself included the word is Watching the Warriors play was miserable that game. It yes. really was. They, they looked terrible. Their turnovers were insane. Um,
1: now, do you think they were playing down to competition, or do you think they were one of those teams that was like, we can take the night off and probably still compete with these guys?
0: I, I can never tell with the Warriors. I really can't because it's, everyone kind of looks to Steph, I think. We, we all look at Steph Curry and we go, what is Steph thinking? Because he, he kind of wears his emotions on his sleeve. Fair He's kind of so. pouty. A little bit. <laughs> and so A little
1: bit of a diva, you know?
0: He was really miserable to watch. He he was very upset about a lot of different things. He wasn't shooting well and you could tell that every single time he missed, he was really upset about it. And then they were absolutely focusing focusing on him on defense and crushing him. So it was tough, but it's like my point in saying all that is you it, it felt like the Warriors were playing terribly. When realistically they weren't that bad they weren't playing that badly and also looking at a Rockets team that was missing Trevor Ariza and Eric Gordon who didn't play at all or didn't play that well and then Anderson who didn't play that well so it's like you know you can say well the Warriors didn't play that well but the Rockets were shorthanded too and didn't play to the to the peak of their playing level so I am interested to see for some reason there's still a part of me in my instincts where I'm like the Warriors are still so much better but I don't know if that's true
1: I don't know either, because I think one of the things that I found interesting is that Mike D'Antoni still had James Harden on a minutes restriction. Right. Going into the second half of the fourth quarter, James Harden had only played 30 minutes, you know? It's like, put up quality points. If I'm not mistaken, he gave you about seven assists, but when the game got down on the line, he got back out on that floor. And, you know, like I said, with the addition of Chris Paul, when they're in the game at the same time, it's a one-two punch that you honestly just can't compete with. And I think the power that they present with a two-man game is a little bit better than the trifecta of Golden State between Stephen Curry, Kevin Durant, and your Klay Thompson. It's like both James Harden and Chris Paul have the ability not only to pass the ball, James Harden has the ability to go ISO. Three-point threat, obviously, but yet at the same time, Chris Paul has mastered that mid-range game. You know, they complement each other. They're not looking to overhandle the ball. They're not looking to do too much. But at the same time, they're honestly looking to dish out for that three, which... I guess my next question I would pose to you, who would be the better three-point shooting team going forward? Because obviously that's the idea that both teams present when they compete against everybody else. We're just going to outscore you. Now, the difference in my mind, Golden State obviously has that championship pedigree. That's right. a little bit that you know you can rely on no matter what. Offensively, they're just going to blow you out the water. Defensively, I think that's where they kind of separate themselves from the Houston Rockets. That's you exactly know, right. The yeah. Rockets are learning to now play as a team defensively, but yet they don't have enough cohesiveness and continuity to the point to where their second unit would be a reliable source as far as getting the job done as well as their first unit.
0: Yeah, I. so this is one thing that I just... I. There's a huge difference between Houston Rockets in the season and Houston Rockets postseason and playoff time. And that's what we're going to see come playoff time is, man, can they continue... What they are doing right now when time comes to show what you're made of. And James Harden and Chris Paul are serial chokers. And I say this all the time. And you people tell me laugh. All the time, man, because I'm about to laugh right now I myself. Know, you just laugh. have no faith.
1: You have no faith. I, I really,
0: and this comes from being, man, I, I've been a fan of Chris Paul for so long. And this comes from watching playoff after playoff and an interview after interview of you know players being upset to play with him of him being upset with his players, him being upset at everyone, him being upset at himself. And, you know, Chris Paul and James Harden are very different company at time because James Harden chokes legitimately turnovers. He doesn't make shots. He falls apart. It's like he forgets how to play basketball. Where Chris Paul gets so intense. And perhaps the two will, will kind of match each other out.
1: Yeah, they could offset each other. You never know. So then let me ask you, is your glass half full or half empty or them overcoming that hurdle in the postseason?
0: I I will never vote against the Warriors. Just straight up, I don't think we've seen even the peak of Kevin Durant's prowess. Let alone, Steph Curry has not won, uh, he has not gotten the finals MVP, and I think he wants it. I, I just think that like we haven't seen an actual game where the Warriors have shown up and been like, it's finals time, baby, let's go. Because they're they're doing what LeBron does. They're coasting, I think, a little bit. Oh, very much so. So just we'll trying see. trying to get to the postseason healthy. We'll see. I, I think that it's totally valid to assume that the Rockets are going to be a very real threat come the postseason.
1: So do they make it through the semifinals?
0: <laughs> You're asking me? I am. Uh, it depends who they play against the Spurs. Absolutely not.
1: <laughs> Even without Kawhi? I mean, Even without Kawhi.
0: Really? I, I just think it takes one Popovich to beat two All-Stars <laughs> uh, and it you know the Spurs if you look at the bench it's if you look at who's their starting lineup you're kind of like who are these guys and it's some of them are players we've seen for a long time but it's like even still it's like Danny Green uh you know Mills they they really in my opinion don't have any right being starting players and they're incredible they they they're so good in his system and they perform night after night and I don't watch a lot of Spurs games all the way through because they sometimes bore me and the scores can be low they
1: win baby They, they win, win.
0: <laughs> They win They really do and, and that's another guy I never bet against Popovich To be honest with you The Spurs are not very good this season And they're fourth <laughs> Or third Or whatever they might be It's like They're always there So We'll see I don't know I, I have a feeling That the Rockets might not make The Western Conference Finals Which is crazy to say But if they do That'll be the That'll be the finals uh, Of the year You know That'll be the real final
1: Well, I'm just going to flat out and say it here, man. Western Conference Finals. Now, if they get past it, I don't know, but the only team that I see posing a legitimate threat because obviously they wouldn't see Golden State until that Conference Finals would be OKC. And, you know, that's one of the teams I know you Uh, wholeheartedly believe in. You speak very (laughs) highly of them. I've been hearing this for quite some time, but (laughs) I think the Rockets may be legitimately that team that has the best potential of, if not beating the Golden State Warriors, Posing the best serious threat to the Warriors that's this right. season,
0: I, I and I think that's that would be the popular belief, and also that would be a betting man's belief. And the smart choice would be to say the Rockets. I uh, and you know, you know, when you just have those feelings, you're like, I just kind of believe in whomever it may be. For me, it's Oklahoma City, man. I just for some reason I think that we haven't seen what they can really do, and everyone else and the stats would would disagree with me, and <laughs> that's okay. I just. I got to remain faithful to my feeling that for some reason, I think OKC is going to somehow figure it out. And, man, Russell Westbrook, he's just insane. So, I don't know. We'll see about that.
1: It's true. We will see, man. Like I said, I'm going to keep my thumbs up. Glass is definitely half full. I'm saying the Warriors and the Rockets conference finals. I'm going half empty. (laughs) (laughs) But we'll see. We'll see. All right, my man. Well, look, I guess one of the biggest topics that we got going on in the NBA right now is going to be injuries. Obviously, we see DeMarcus Cousins being hurt. John Wall now being hurt, going out for the next six to eight weeks. Right. And now the next player is going to be Andre Robertson. Like, how are we feeling about the injuries at this point in time, halfway through the season? Like, and are any of these injuries going to be key components to any of these teams not making it to the postseason or legitimately affecting their potential as far as how far they can go into the postseason?
0: Right. It, I don't know. You know, it's like basketball really does never stop. So it seems like when somebody gets injured, it's almost like you're riding on this bus and they just kind of fall out and you're like, all right, we got to act like you're no longer on this team anymore. Um, you know, it's different for someone like John Wall where it's like six to eight weeks, I think. Yeah,
1: six to eight weeks is what they're saying. Two months at the long end.
0: And, you know, the Wizards are, are struggling off the court regardless. And John Wall, it seems to be, is the issue.
1: Could be the catalyst of it all. Yeah, you're right. Um,
0: and so that's an interesting topic. Um, the Wizards, there's a lot of talk of like, man, what are their playoff hopes? I think still high. Um, but that is going to affect them because within the next 20 games, 16 of them are playoff teams. They're playing against teams that are over 500. And they've kind of uh, crapped the bed earlier this year when they play against lower teams, like we we're talking about with the Warriors, they play down.
1: Oh, yeah. They definitely succumb to the competition. And more oftentimes than not, they they lose those games.
0: That's right. And so now, moving forward, they don't have John Wall. And like I said, the next out of the next 20 games, 16 of them are teams over 500. So... They kind of lost their ability, ability to lose games. So it's going to be interesting. I, Bradley Beal does have an ability to show up when the time comes. And Bradley Beal's dope. I, I love to watch him play. But that team's going to hurt. Um, I don't know how much OKC is going to hurt. I mean, what do you think about that? Roberson's out. Like, done. Oh, yeah. He's
1: done. He's done. So here's what I've been thinking. Andre Roberson obviously was not the greatest shooter below even league average when it comes Laughable. to the most basic jump shots. And he was just a decoy as far as sitting on the baseline three, but he provided more than enough defense that compensated for what he lacked on right. the offensive side of the ball. So I guess with his injury now being, I guess a real vital point to OKC's potential going into the postseason, would you much rather try to get somebody off the bench to pick up that production even though they might be able to help out on the offensive side of the ball and, you know, maybe alleviate that issue of not scoring as many points because obviously somebody can put up more points. But would they provide enough defense to the point to where they can help out where he kind of benefited the team at the at the best? I mean,
0: does OKC have anybody on the bench? <laughs> I don't even know. Um, I mean, not- you
1: still have the potential to make a trade. You know, trade deadline is February 8th. So, I mean, do you try to get rid of him or do you hold on to it in hopes of him coming back next season? But... You have to remember, Carmelo Anthony and Paul George are only rentals right now. Right,
0: just rentals. Uh, I think it's interesting because, like you know, I believe in Oklahoma that they will figure out their offense, but a very important part of their defense is Roberson, and so the Roberson or the Roberson, their defense is the one thing that is very solid. Oh, you know, top five, top five, top five in the league. They're yes. incredible, you know. And and you saw it against the Warriors; they were insane. They completely shut down the Warriors' offense. So. You take away, you know, a really important part of their defense. We might see them kind of fall apart defensively. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll wait and see. Uh, Paul George and Russell Westbrook really show up defensively. And I think maybe they could add in somebody and it could work out great. But, man, we could really see Oklahoma City take a little dip just for a minute. Um, I don't know. I think they'll probably hold on to him till next season because he's just such a I great believe defensive so. player.
1: Definitely. Now, just to kind of backtrack a little bit, do you think this will hurt them going into the postseason? I know you speak very highly of them. You think obviously the trifecta of Carmelo Anthony, Paul George, and a dominant Russell Westbrook might be the key as far as potentially beating the Warriors. And obviously you believe that they can beat the Rockets, but will no. Andre Roberson being there help or hurt them? Or not being there? It, it won't make a
0: difference. Today? You know, Roberson's like a diet, Draymond Green, in my opinion. Uh the diet being that Draymond Green can make his shots sometimes um, and no it won't make a difference absolutely not in my opinion because Kevin Durant matches up with Paul George or Russell Westbrook and Steph and Clay are just going to keep doing what they always do it, there's just I don't think it would make a difference Robeson could be there Robeson could not be there I, yeah I struggle with the idea because the formula that we're talking about we're always talking about, about how to beat the Warriors I don't think Robeson I don't think it'll matter
1: I can agree with you there because, I mean, if you just go matchup for matchup, obviously, I guess you could say Clay Thompson and Andre Roberson, they wouldn't offset each other. Clay obviously has the better firepower offensively. Right. But his defensive woes, actually, I can't even say he has any defensive yeah. woes because Clay Thompson is a two-way player. Incredible but, two-way player. Yeah, I guess the only liability would be Andre Roberson's offensive potential, which he just lacks so much. So much. much. Oh, so man. much. Like but, I, mean, I said, laughable. I'm not going to lie to you, man. I mean, after listening to you and just watching these last eight or nine games as far as the win streak that uh, OKC is currently on, you might be honest something. I think that they do have the potential to continue being successful with or without him, which obviously they're going to be without him for the remainder of the season. But
0: maybe this is good. Maybe we'll see somebody, you know, like we're talking about, where somebody is going to start getting the ball who we didn't think could shoot and will show up to shoot. We don't know. But I will say... You know, having someone like Steven Adams, that's kinda like the anchor of their defense. It's like and it to be honest with you, their offense, it's like they're gonna be a good team and they've consistently gotten better this season. You know, at the beginning of the season we're like, Will they even make the playoffs? Oh, and yeah, now, they were looking no horrible. Doubt.
1: They were looking horrible. But right now, yeah, I think they've figured it out. I mean, they've now established defined roles. Carmelo Anthony legitimately accepting that third role, you know, Paula George kind of being that freelance player, just playing off Russell Westbrook and Russell Westbrook just doing what he does, man. It's a bullet out of a gun every time, 100 miles an hour, but the man's still about to average another triple-double, which just hurts my heart because (laughs) I don't understand how a man has the energy for 82 games every year to do this. But it's astounding to watch, and it's one of those things that I think we should probably pay attention to more often than not going here into the second half of this season because, like I said, I'm definitely going to agree with you, man. I think OKC has the potential to do something very special Barring any future injuries here on out, but, you know, it's like that big three that they have.
0: It's big three.
1: Oh, oh very much you know? so. Very um, much so.
0: And interestingly enough, none of them made the starters for the All-Star weekend.
1: True. Crazy. The fact that Paul George only snuck in due to the injury of DeMarcus Cousins. How do you feel about that?
0: Man, I feel weird about that. Uh, <laughs> I, You know, I, I gotta be honest, I don't know if DeMarcus Cousins and Anthony Davis... Both should have been starters. Uh, not that they aren't the best and in the top 10. It's just, it felt weird to me that a team that isn't exceptionally great has two starters. It was very odd to me that they did that, and Russell Westbrook was not one of them. Uh, but not, not only that, to not even include Paul George, but we had Dream on Green and Clay Thompson. He shouldn't have made it. That's That Golden really State is crazy. State should not have had four All-Stars.
1: Let me just go ahead and flat out yeah. say that now. They I, should not have had four All-Stars. Minnesota should not have had two. No There's way. There's no way in the world both Jimmy Butler and Carl Anthony Towns needed to make it. Jimmy That's, Butler,
0: for sure. Carl oh, yeah. Anthony Towns, no, no way.
1: No way. No way. So, Paul was, George definitely got snubbed. We I mean. got
0: to say, it was a weird, it was a really weird All-Star event because it's different than it's ever been. True. And, you know, the coaches picked the, the reserves and— to honestly, to see Jermon Green and Klay Thompson get picked, it really does say a lot about what the coaches in the league look for in All-Stars. And, and it speaks a lot to, you know, players who play hard for their team, love their team, and run, 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 run the system. And so it, it spoke more that every every coach feels a little jealous of what the Warriors <laughs> have. Be- Obviously, definitely. Because those are not All-Stars. I mean, Klay Thompson, there's an argument to be made there. Legitimate superstar in his own right, for sure. The silent assassin, you know, he oh, really yeah. is. But the Draymond Green, you know, defensive All Star for sure. But it's like we're watching the All Star weekend. Like we're, we're, we we want to be wowed, and Paul George is someone who wows you.
1: Oh, I think wholeheartedly, leading the league in steals, if I'm not mistaken, about two to two point two steals per game. Still averaging over twenty points. Like I said, he's just a catalyst that's also able to run the offense when Russell Westbrook isn't dishing the ball out to everybody right. else can't ask for more and then having the ability to switch between a two guard and your small forward the man's legitimately out there balling
0: and like, watching him play against lebron on defense was awesome awesome yeah he really played the body you know lebron has a way of being the dad to these nba players and just okay. being like i'm making this paul george was like i don't think so not today oh yeah it's not a lot of players can do
1: sometimes the son has to be better than the father on the blacktop at some point <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah at some point for sure so look i guess the next topic of discussion
1: obviously a lot of things are going on Let's get back to one of my favorite teams in the Cleveland Cavaliers. What do you think is going on with the state of the Cavs, my
0: man? The state of the Cavs, man. It's uh, similar to the state of the union. Nobody really knows. (laughs) Nobody really knows what's going on over there. Um, I think a lot of it's blown out of proportion, um, but also I think it's valid. It's Everybody's looking at the Cleveland Cavaliers and saying, why are you not better? And it looks like the players are looking at themselves and each other and saying the same thing. That being said, this is a time and time again situation that happens for LeBron James where during the season there's a slump and every single time they figure it out and they come out of it. In playoff time, playoff LeBron is a real thing. So It's true, man. It's true. The state of the Cavs for me, it seems like incorporating Isaiah Thomas has been really difficult cuz not only is Isaiah a very particular player, for being very small and, and hard to use defensively mm-hmm. um, and really great offensively in a system, uh, he has a huge personality. And so I can see where perhaps they've been having some issues off the court as well as on the court. It's very obvious. Um, I don't think the Kevin Love situation was as serious as it seemed you know, it's like we all want to assume that Kevin Love was pissed and just left or whatever, and he said he was sick. I don't know. doesn't really matter. Yeah,
1: we really don't know.
0: But, you know, like, like we were talking about earlier today, it's Isaiah and Kevin Love grew up together. they oh, so played it, on the <laughs>
1: same AAU team, both from California, you know. I think the relationship, like you said, is just much of it is blown out of proportion because I feel very much like you. We really don't know what the real state of the Cavs is. History has shown over the course of the last three seasons. January... It's just never a good month for LeBron. Right. And them, I don't know if he's trying to increase the trade value of people trying to come to Cleveland by legitimately having the team tank games. Like, look, we may need help, so we need to bring in another all-star. Or it could be, like you said, just trying to acclimate a smaller player with a huge personality and Isaiah Thomas to a starting lineup who has missed a majority of the games already. Like, one of the things that I've always noticed is with LeBron James being the catalyst and the dominant ball handler, when the game initially starts, he's looking to get those touches to Kevin Love. Whether it be a couple in the post or the baseline three, it's like assimilating Isaiah Thomas into that starting lineup. He's only looking to get his, man. You know?
0: That's right. He has
1: the ability to get that max contract this year. Obviously, he wore the flip-flops. He said, bring out the Brinks trucks. Right. You know, he's trying to get paid, so he's really not worried about the production of everybody else. But do you think the addition of trying to bring him back and essentially placing the blame on him mostly, even though the Cavs are losing prior to him being put back into the starting lineup, do you think he's helping or hurting them by continuing to play his game?
0: I really don't know. Uh, You know, the Cavs' games, to be honest with you, have just been weird from start to finish, and and I don't think the blame can be put on one player. It it seems like their starting line looks, looks weak, and then their second line comes out and looks weaker, and they all look a little bit discouraged I am even discourage. It just looks like they don't care. They all have a J.R. Smith vibe of like, eh, we're going to make it. We're going to be much. fine.
1: We've been there before. This ain't nothing new. You know? This
0: ain't nothing new. And that's right. It's like they've been to the past three finals. Um, and that's where I think it's got to be hard when you're looking ahead at this road. And you're like, we've been to the last three. And it doesn't look like we're going to make it again this time. And to go to four finals and lose three out of four is really hard. And realistically, the one that they won was really close. I mean, it was record-breaking. Oh,
1: yeah. Neck and neck, man. Came down to the wire, the and, shot and the block. We yeah, all know,
0: <laughs> right? And a lot of people would say they had no right to win because they were playing against the best team ever on paper, with no um,
1: Draymond Green. Keep that in.
0: Yes, that was very interesting. Uh, so I don't know. I I think the Cleveland Cavaliers. I for me personally, I don't put blame on anybody. I don't think LeBron puts blame on anybody, and I definitely don't think Tyloo cares. So I think it's going to we're just going to see how how it kind of snowballs cuz that's what it seems to happen with the Cleveland Cavaliers they kind of hit a hit a roadblock they dip they kind of figure it out and then they start snowballing and it gets big and come playoff time they are insane. And you know me it's like I think Derrick Rose still has a little bit left in him. Yeah, I
1: definitely believe in him.
0: I I'm, I have some
1: weird yeah. beliefs and he is one of them. I'm a Chicago guy man. I lost faith many many many, many years yes. ago. Many years ago. So then look, I guess I have two other questions for you then. Do you think that the Cavs need to make any drastic changes to the roster in order to help them get out of the Eastern Conference or make enough drastic changes to get out of the Eastern Conference but potentially step up their game to beat the team that has beat them two out of three times and the Golden State Warriors?
0: Man, it goes back to the same question. I don't know if there's a formula. It, It seems like the Rockets are the only ones who are close to it. And so that would lead me to assume they need better shooters around the arc um and LeBron James so and and to be honest with you they kind of have it they have Kevin Love they have Isaiah Thomas they have Kyle Korver they have Dwayne Wade they they really do have what someone I mean the second best roster in the league I I don't know what more they could do so looking at trades you know there's talk about George Hill Um, I've seen
1: that yeah they were saying if I'm not mistaken Channing Fry. I think they'd want to give up Iman Shumpert and maybe a first or second round draft pick to bring in George
0: Hill. And I think there's some validity just for the Cavs to shed some of the fat because they do have some players that really could do good things on other teams, but they're not doing anything good for the Cleveland Cavaliers. So get rid of them. You know, trade two for one at this point. It's like if you guys can just get a couple good players, it's like the talk about DeAndre Jordan and Lou Williams, you know, for Shepherd and Channing Frye and just Thompson. It's like, sure get rid of it in my opinion because you don't need those players they're not doing anything for you coming off the bench or starting um that will get you to the next level to beat the warriors Mm -hmm. and perhaps someone like lou williams could be really great and perhaps someone like deandre jordan could be really great because the talk of tristan thompson not being awesome channing fry not really filling in that great and kevin love playing center it's not working so and if you deandre jordan man with lebron they would be huge And they'd be veterans, you know? It's like, that's kind of the talk, though. And this is, I guess, a question for you. Do you think a team like the Cleveland Cavaliers, who are basically aging out, it almost seems like, do you think they have a chance, even if they had one more star player?
1: I'm I'm not going to lie to you, man. I don't think that there's any drastic changes now or in the foreseeable future that will allow the cleveland cavaliers to beat the golden state warriors yeah i can tell you right now in my personal opinion and wholeheartedly lebron james is the catalyst for the struggles of the cavaliers right now right you know he was the aforementioned reason as to why jr smith is being overpaid for the production that he's giving the cleveland cavaliers him and tristan thompson share the same agent which He is another reason Tristan Thompson is being overpaid for the amount of production that he's giving. And even though LeBron James statistically is having one of the better seasons of his career, production-wise, you know, he's going to coast until he gets to the postseason himself. You know, he's not so much worried about record-wise. He just wants good continuity, developing good habits, so by the time they get to the postseason, he doesn't have to worry about who's in the starting lineup. Because obviously Derrick Rose has been in and out. Isaiah Thomas has been in and out. You know, it's like J.R. Smith. I don't know what's going on with him. The last two years, he's been on fire from the three-point line. This year, he's not really bringing anything to the table. And with you saying, you know, obviously the addition of Lou Williams or DeAndre Jordan, which could potentially happen, Lou Williams does add a little bit of extra firepower from the three-point range and mid-range. And you know, DeAndre Jordan would definitely help out some of those defensive woes that the Cavaliers are having. But I don't think that they would be able to beat the Warriors even with those additions. Like, I'm not going to lie to you.
0: I think so. And, and this is getting onto a different topic of the state of the Cavs, which is there's a state of Cavs this season and then what the Cavs are going to become next season. And we're seeing it right now. They're preparing for LeBron's departure. Oh, yeah. Oh, um, hardly. And if they're not, they should be. And they're foolish for thinking he's going to stay, in my opinion, because the Clippers are opening up cap space. The Lakers have it. So... There's no question in my mind. And it seems like LeBron is already like, I know I'm leaving. Oh, yeah. I I know I'm on my way out. I'm going to give you guys my best because you're my home. But, you know, him saying what he said today, too, uh, about the Blake Griffin trade being like, loyalty for the players. It's, you know, it's like. Yeah, it's really not there, man. It's a business. This is a business. And he said it when KD left uh, Oklahoma City. And he's going to do it again, man. And he's going to do something dope. And I hope he finishes strong. I'm not the biggest LeBron James fan, but I think he is incredible with his decision-making, incredible with his team skills, and we'll see what happens because all I see now is Cleveland needs to prepare for next season, and all they need to do is get players that are going to be good for next season without LeBron James. So whatever they need to do to do that, awesome. But
1: So then I guess my last question to kind of pose to you on this topic, do you feel – more comfortable with blowing up the roster and trying to find equitable assets that would fit the Cleveland Cavaliers with trying to keep LeBron James in their first round draft pick both from the Cavs and Brooklyn or one of the ideas that I propose is try to convince LeBron James to waive his no trade clause and see what tradable assets you can get from him because obviously we both feel like he's going to leave no matter what. He's left before went to Miami. Obviously there are enough free agents who've signed one year contracts to have the ability to join him no matter what organization he feels as though he has the best opportunity to beat the golden state warriors. But do you want to trade LeBron or do you want to blow up the roster and trade everybody else?
0: Oh man. I don't know. I I think I would tend to, uh, go with the idea. I mean, I just can't imagine them trading him. It, it, I feel like Cleveland would burn itself to the ground (laughs) if (laughs) they traded LeBron James. I mean, they burnt his Jersey before. Why not do it again? Done it once. (laughs) Uh, but we'll see. Uh, I mean, there are a myriad of teams who will give up their starting lineup for LeBron James. Oh,
1: so I think there are 29 teams yes. who would give up anybody. <laughs> 28. 28.
0: <laughs> uh, but, you know, I, I, can't, I can't imagine LeBron waving it. I think LeBron likes where he's at. I think he likes the power that he's holding. Um, and LeBron has a way of being really intelligent. And I don't know who his uh, sports medicine people are, but he's saving his body. It's like if he can have another year of pretty much just kind of playing it simple and knowing that he's not going to win. So he's like, it's all right. Uh, And he can kind of just stay healthy another year, keep his body nice. Uh, He's going to be looking next year being like, all right, I'm out for blood. So I don't think he's going to waive it. But if they could convince him to, I'm with you. I think that would be cool. And then, you know, you have the space. You can do whatever the hell you want. But as of right now, I just don't think he would.
1: I believe you. I mean, like I said, I obviously would love for him to just waive that no trade clause Like you said, obviously, he loves the power and the control that he has, not only over the organization, but the rest of the league. But at the same time, if he can't make up his mind and give any type of inclination as far as if he'll stay or if he'll go, I believe it's just going to be more detrimental to the state of the Cavs going forward. Right. Because obviously, if he leaves that number one draft pick that you have coming from Brooklyn, well, not number one, but the first round draft pick you have coming from Brooklyn, I don't believe it's ever going to be transcendent enough that would fill the shoes of what LeBron James has done for that organization. No. Never. But to trade it away for another player who could potentially leave in their own right because if you don't sign them to a long-term contract, you're only hurting yourself. So I guess we'll see what's going to happen going forward in the future. You can either go all in now or keep those fingers crossed and hope LeBron stays and just keep yourself for another three-to-five-year run, man. So we'll see what happens. Yeah,
0: we definitely will.
1: All right, so on to the next topic, my man. I guess one of the things me and you have been discussing, what does it take to beat the Warriors? What is this formula? You know, it's one of my favorite things to talk about. Do you fight firepower with firepower? Do you go along the routes of, you know, the New Orleans Pelicans and now with the addition of the Detroit Pistons picking up Blake Griffin? You know, it's like a lot of teams may now look forward to having two dominant bigs to take on that role rather than, trying to just shoot threes all the time. Like, right. Do you have any idea of what you think could make it work going forward? Or do you just say, fuck it, man. And let these guys just do what they do until their reign is over.
0: (sighs) I, I don't know. I, I think, I think that could be the only thing is you kind of just are like, all right, you guys are just too good. And, and you know, being a fan of the warriors, uh, pre Kevin Durant, uh, it's, it's almost hard to be a fan now because you're not really watching the games to see them break records or to see a team that really built from the bottom up do incredible things and run an awesome system. You're just like – you're watching because you – I don't even know why. You, you just watch them to see them win. You're like, okay, they're going to win. They're going to win this. They're going to win that. And really it is fun to watch. Steph Curry is so fun to watch. Clay Thompson is amazing to watch. And then Kevin Durant who's arguably the only other player – equivalent to LeBron James or a oh, yeah. little bit less than. And so maybe even a little bit better. Yeah, maybe even a little bit better. Uh I the formula is a really interesting question because we haven't seen anything that can do it besides the Cleveland Cavaliers 2 years ago. Yeah, but then with say, the addition, they don't have
1: the same roster, so.
0: And then the but the addition of Kevin Durant changes everything. If they had had Kevin Durant 2 years ago, there's no way in my opinion oh, that yeah, Cleveland the Cavs won. would not have won that. No. So Right now, so this, this idea of two bigs. Uh, this season hasn't really shown us that two bigs can beat the Warriors. What I have seen is the Rockets and the Celtics beat the Warriors. Um, and both of them ran an outstanding offense uh, and played great defense against the Warriors. Um, and really both, er, the multiple games that they played uh, against the Celtics and against the Rockets the Warriors were a little bit slow and their turnovers were just weird. They were, they were passing the ball really far down the court and doing all these things that they don't usually do. And and that was what was confusing to me. But the only times I've seen, like I said, the only formula I can see is a great system that is run to a T perfectly. And doing that seven games or four games essentially to win. I I just, (laughs) I don't think it's possible. I really don't. And, it, it frustrates me to say that, but I don't think two bigs can do it, because Steph Curry is—he can still score on bigs. He, he, you know, he can run to the inside, oh, yeah. still score on bigs. He scores on
1: DeAndre Jordan. Pick and roll. All you gotta do is get that mismatch, man. One five, one four, pick and roll, and Steph Curry
0: will eat you alive. And then having the small team with a great offense, it's like, then they'll play a great offense, and then they'll also give it to KD and let him do whatever he wants. So it's really tough and it's really frustrating to watch sometimes because you wanna see you wanna see these, you know, Goliaths fall. That's you, we're all watching this season anticipating being like, will we see an underdog take down the Warriors? And realistically, I don't know if there is this formula, and maybe you're right that it is just waiting to see them peter out and go their separate ways and be like, I'm gonna go do a different championship team. Or LeBron James goes to the Rockets. We'll see what happens. Hey, you know, I'm
1: all for that. I mean, I kind of agree with you, though, man. I don't know if there is a legitimate formula that has the potential of beating the Warriors in a four-game or seven-game series, but at least four times. It's like you said, two bigs. I'm not sure if it can exactly work. You know, Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins did pose a potential threat, but, you know, that Drew Holiday component just wasn't enough for me to believe that, you know, they're going to win four times in seven games, and... You know, obviously we haven't seen Blake Griffin and Andre Drummond compete, let alone he hasn't passed his physical to compete. I'm not really sure. So, like you said, it's really just gonna come down to them fizzling out or the collective bargaining agreement, capping them out to the point to where, you know, one of those guys is gonna get that max contract and the Warriors will just no longer be able to play for All Stars and pay for All Stars
0: at that point. All stars. For all stars. That's legitimate all stars.
1: So, I mean, it's going to be interesting or seeing something to go forward. Like, you pose the idea of LeBron James going to the Rockets. That would be something that I would love to see. I'm not going to lie. Him playing with a Chris Paul and a James Harden would be something that's just unheard of. Like, legitimately unheard of. But I think that is something that has the potential to be something great if they can somehow make that happen. But like you said, man, the Warriors are just so good right now. They're so top-heavy. And the reserves are so good at their roles that I don't see anybody beating them. But one of the things that I can agree with you on, like you said, it's going to take a team who has mastered a system. So one of the things that I paid attention to last year was the Spurs. You know, Kawhi was healthy before that injury off the jump shot. You know, they're one of those guys who run under the tutelage of Greg Popovich and they were legitimately taking it to the Warriors. They were dominating the Warriors.
0: Absolutely crushing Until that
1: injury. Yeah, you know, And it's like, they, in my opinion, pretty much run the same system, man. Cutting and moving, cutting and moving. And getting those open shots, you know. Kawhi can dominate the middle. Patty Mills is hitting threes, you know. LaMarcus Aldridge is out there doing his thing in the low post and still having the potential to be a perimeter threat. But, you know, with Kawhi being out indefinitely, I think the only other team that I could see potentially posing a threat is the Boston Celtics. Yeah. Another one of those teams, like you say, they've mastered that system. Tutelage of Brad Stevens, you know, and it's like, can they beat them four times? It's maybe. But I think the biggest distinction that's going to be something to look forward to from now into the future is going to that maturation and that age. Right. You know, Boston's so very young. Jason so Tatum young. being 19, Jalen Brown being 21, Kyrie Irving being 25. Right. It's like. Man, you know, they're doing some fabulous things on the Eastern Conference. Number one, I want to say they're a good 20 games over 500. Obviously, they're the best defensive team in the league, allowing under 95 points a game or right at that particular point. But can they or will they beat the Warriors? Or can they or will they even beat the Cavs who have the potential to beat the Warriors right. is that next question.
0: Right. I I think that is really the question. Um, And, and I think everything you said is exactly right that it's the maturation of the Celtics it's the discipline uh, that they have in this regular season uh, but we're gonna see you know true colors come out it's like we're asking realistically we're asking a lot from Jason Tatum and some might say too much but he's incredible and watching him play I'm like man you are going you're just you're a name you're gonna be around forever oh, yeah. we're gonna know you until you retire or nice. if I'm
1: not mistaken I believe he's still probably leading the league in three point field That's goal percentage crazy. as a rookie
0: that is beyond crazy, and he's showing his moves. He's doing oh. some Kyrie stuff. Oh yeah, he's looking to dunk on you, man. Yeah, he's he is. looking to come down the lane. He's not afraid of that contact. And and I love that. I really do love that. So, I I don't know. I think really what's going to hurt the Celtics is they're just not ready yet. Uh, they're just so young, and we forget that Gordon Hayward's going to come and, and yeah, join that team and out. really make them great. Um, Do you think he will
1: make them great? Or do you think he has the potential of hurting that chemistry that they're already establishing without him?
0: Well, there's this energy about the Celtics where it's like they came into the season and right away they were like, we're shorthanded. And so when you're shorthanded, you're working as hard as you possibly can. And I don't know if you watch a lot of hockey, but you see it in hockey games sometimes that a team on a power play will get scored on because they kind of relax. And the shorthanded team is like so intense. Mm -hmm that's what it kind of felt like at the beginning of the season because teams that go on these crazy streaks or show up at the very beginning and they're incredible it's like a lot of it's effort a lot of it's energy and a lot of it's we want to prove ourselves mm-hmm. and that's what the celtics really looked like to me and they've continued it and, and they've been running an amazing system and brad stevens coach of the year in my oh, opinion he he's has done down. amazing things with heavy limitations i do think gordon hayward will make a difference and add some maturity at a veteran level whether or not you know i I think it will mess with the system but i think we're going to kind of see the celtics crumble a little bit towards the end where you kind of see where when other teams show up with the same intensity of like all right it's time to win Mm -hmm. we're going to see the celtics uh some of their true colors shine through where they're just too young uh but my personal opinion i would love to see them make it to the conference finals and i would love to see them win the conference finals and I would love to see a Warriors Celtics. That would look good on, on my eyes. I'd like to see, you know, blue, yellow, and green instead of red. Uh, but we'll see. I I, I I, don't know. I can't also, going back to what you asked, I can't imagine the Cavaliers losing to the Celtics. That in my brain does not make sense. But I don't know. What do you think about that?
1: Let me just go on record, and I'll say this right now. Unless the Cavaliers make a drastic change to the roster, the Boston Celtics will make the finals. Whoa. I will go out and go ahead and say that right now. I'm so
0: stoked you said that.
1: I mean, they are young, and I'm beyond the point of them posing a potential threat. I think the maturation process of Kyrie Irving, knowing that LeBron James was going to hold the organization hostage, he left before all this turmoil was going to happen. It foreshadowed itself. He knew it was coming, and he put himself in a position to win. Not only that, one of the key things that I never really paid attention to which is one of the facts I had brought up to you a little bit earlier today that whoever LeBron James was guarding during these three years that he's been to the finals, if he didn't win MVP, they've won finals MVP. Crazy. So whether it was Kevin Durant or Andre Iguodala, and I'm not going to lie to you, after that three that I saw Jalen Brown hit from the baseline yesterday to win the game, I think that man has the potential to possibly, I'm not going to say stop LeBron because obviously nobody's going to stop LeBron, but... Boston Celtics will be that team this that's year, man. They're coming out of the conference finals. Love but like I that. said, that's if Cleveland does not make any drastic changes to their roster.
0: And We'll see. We got a week, basically. So we'll see what happens with the Cleveland Cavaliers. But as of now, I think we both sit strongly saying that the Golden State Warriors are by far the team to beat. Oh, yeah. They're the
1: favorites to win it again this year. And as sad as I am to say it, I'm excited to see the dominance, man. I'm not one of those guys that's... Like, oh, the same team keeps winning. can't believe that these guys are just going after each other and just still winning championships. Yeah. Like, I love dominance. I love to see it. Nobody got tired of Jordan. Nobody gets tired of Tom Brady. And those who do, they just don't live in Boston. That's all it that's is. That's right. Exactly. <laughs> like, that's it's like you it get is.
0: tired of it at the time, but we're going to look back on this and be like, do you remember the 2016, 20, 2017 Warriors, the 2017, the 2018 Warriors? You know what I mean? It's just going to be this thing that – we're going to tell our kids about it. We're going to be like, you missed seeing Stephen Curry play. Oh, witnessing
1: history at its finest yes. in the NBA right now. That's
0: exactly right. Um, well, we're going to wrap this up.
1: Yeah, man. I mean, it's been a good first podcast. Good first podcast. <laughs> Definitely enjoyed it. Much more to come. Obviously, this NBA season has been filled with drama, filled with all types of news stories
0: filled with injuries yes and we're gonna get way more into it as we go on definitely so
1: nashville look out for us man we are the village we will be filling you in on all of it as we see it
0: yes sir thank you so much of course checking out